Hey there, and welcome back to Fire and Soul. I'm really proud and honored that I get to share this conversation with you today. If you've been following along this show for a while, then you know that, I don't know, maybe 14 months ago, I started talking about Paul Selig and the guides after listening to a profound conversation on my way to a plant medicine retreat in Ojai on the Aubrey Marcus podcast. And I talk a little, little bit about that here in this conversation today, but I was so blown away and there was such a deep resonance in the wisdom that was coming through along with the energetic transmission. So for me, it was a deep knowing and I don't know where you are around your ideas or thoughts about channeling, but I'm really um, excited for you to keep an open, curious mind, especially if you've ever wondered, like I do, what do higher dimensional beings say about our time right now? And that's why I'm especially excited uh, to be joined this week by one of the foremost spiritual channels working today, and that is Paul Selig. So this is just really exciting. You know, he has a master's degree from Yale and a spiritual experience uh, in 1987 left him clairvoyant. And so in this episode, we drop into that moment as well as more on his backstory. For those of you who aren't familiar with him or the beautiful bodies of work that he's brought forward that are teeth that that are the teachings from the guides. Uh, Ten books, I believe, at this point have been published, including we touch on his latest resurrection. Uh, highly recommend. And I'll leave all the notes uh, and links in the show resources for you. But we also have uh, just a beautiful exchange around the concept of true knowing, the recognition of the divine in all things, including the things we hold in darkness, the idea that we're being carried to a new level of consciousness and tools to support our journey. And we also receive a personal message from Paul's guides just for our fire and soul community. Uh, There is just some medicine giving in this conversation with you today. But before we drop into divine tools and truth with Paul Selig and the guides, I also want to let you know about a really special boot camp that I have coming up with my co-founder, Jenny Saraswati, who's the CEO and founder of Jenny Media. And this is how I launched Fire and Soul way back in the day, where we co-founded a company called the Podcast Accelerator, and we open up a workshop to come in, you know, get you a little further ahead on your journey if you have ever thought about or dreamed about launching your own podcast once a year. And that free live bootcamp is coming up next week. So we've got two and um, I'm going to leave a link in a moment for you to check it out. But this is May 9th and May 10th at different times. And the title of this bootcamp is called The Cure for Podcast Procrastination. Four Decisions, One Life-Changing Podcast. And basically we're going to get you on the road with like the four foundational decisions to get you out of the overanalyzing, procrastinating, all the things. And it's, we're going to workshop live with you, uh, your podcast name, the title, uh, the gear that you need that will fit you on the budget, as well as the format of your show and the description of your show so that you can literally magnetize not only your dream audience, but your dream guest. And it's, it's, this is a deep passion of mine. And what I love about this is that I know that there are so many people listening right now, uh, who have heard about something like this, just like you may be right now, not even sure what you do with a podcast or what your show might even be about, but you're getting a little snag on the soul. So you're like, you know what? Let me just check out the page. 
And the next thing they knew, and this is many, many, many people that I can think of in my mind right now, uh, that uh, decided to follow the nudge and then joined the workshop and then moved all the way. I had and now have podcast out two, three years, thousands of five-star reviews, dream guests on their show, business collaborations, and so much more. And more importantly, knowing that they are living on purpose. So if you've gotten a snag whatsoever, if start a podcast has ever been on your bucket list and you're tired of that perpetual someday deadline, then I highly recommend that you check this out and you can head on over to the podcastaccelerator.com slash bootcamp, the podcastaccelerator.com forward slash bootcamp. And I'll leave that link in the show resources. It would be awesome to meet you there, just like I have met so many listeners, just like you, who heard about this boot camp a few years back, decided to say yes, give it a shot, check it out, and now they are changing infinitely more lives because of their podcast. And that, my friend, is what I live for. So I hope to see you there. All right, without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Paul Selig and the guys. Loving you. Well, today's a really special day because I get one of the most profound teachers in my life of these past 18 months on the show. Paul Selig uh, is a teacher. He is considered to be one of the foremost spiritual channels working today. An award-winning author of 10 channeled text is known as a medium for the living, holds a master's from Yale and served on the faculty at NYU for 25 years. And then there was something called the Harmonic Convergence in 1987 that changed it all. Paul, welcome to the show. And let's just dive on into that night on the rooftop in New York City. Okay, well, I was 25 years old. Um, I was newly sober. I was, I'd heard a voice telling me to get my act together, which was the first voice I'd heard. And I listened to it and I ended up you know, cleaning up my act a bit. And I heard that there was this thing happening called the harmonic convergence and that people were going to be waking up. And I thought, well, if there is something like a God, and I was beginning to think maybe there was, I'd been raised an atheist, but I wasn't so sure all of a sudden. I thought, well, if there is something like that and you were asked to be woken up to it, why would it want to say no? So I went up to the roof of this building that I was living in at the time and um, had a crystal and a mantra and I thought you needed the props. Um, somebody had given me each of those things and um, I went up there to teach myself how to meditate truthfully. Um, and you know I don't know what happened really I mean in retrospect I wonder if I just wasn't hyperventilating I don't know what it was it turned out it was a kundalini mantra I didn't even know what kundalini was but I had this experience of energy moving through my body and out through the top of my head um it lasted some time and was for me physically extraordinarily real and um and I think given what I had come from and um, my background and my skepticism and all of those things, perhaps I needed something that was tangible for me to hold on to, to carry me forward. But I started seeing little lights around people after that. That was the beginning of opening up. And I don't know whether the clair clairvoyance and then the clairsentience were already there and just waiting to be you know, tapped. Um, I don't know, and I may never know truthfully, but that was the beginning of it. That was 87. 
and I don't think I've really stopped since. Yeah, I mean, your life took a radical shift, and I know so many of us around the world thank you for answering that call. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I first came across your work by listening to the Aubrey Marcus podcast. I know he's a raving oh. fan of yours and, and the guides. And, um, and then I dove into the Book of Truth, which I think came out a few years back. That mm -hmm. book felt like a vibrational transmission. It was what you describe in all of your mm -hmm. interviews. But if you would explain that uh, to my community, uh, how mm -hmm. that works, and how you channel. Well, when I, you know, I, I think of myself as a radio. So when I'm channeling the guides that come through me, I'm just tuned into that broadcast and they're just delivering it. So all of these books, and I think there's 11 now, um, are the unedited transcripts of, of those dictation sessions. Most of them are all done now and for the books in front of an audience, because I really don't work alone. There has to be an active listener. Um, the guides work with attunements and the attunements are operating with language that they say has been encoded with vibration. And so the books themselves, they say, are transmissions that work directly on and with the reader. And that's been the truth from the very beginning when the first book came out it was called I Am the Word. It was published, I think, in 2010, dictated in 2009. They said, you know, this is a book that's meant to be experienced more so than read. It's a journey. And the reviews started coming in. Nobody knew who I was. You know, I was this college teacher that was working under the radar intentionally. Um, but people started, you know, writing in these reviews saying, you know, I'm reading this book and my body's vibrating. I'm reading this book and I'm seeing auras. And that's continued, you know, this experience of the phenomena of the guides working with the reader. It's interesting to me, but it's what I was in the, I was in the channeling for it. I wasn't into the channeling for the information. I was into it because the experience of energy was so direct and profound when they mm. came through. And then they were teaching us how to work at that level, which I loved because you couldn't fake it. You know, if you're in a room full of people and the guys are saying, we're gonna put a hand on everybody's forehead and everybody goes, Oh my God, there it is, you know, that's how it was. And how frankly it continues to be, although the energy is just accelerated, you know, as they continue to work. And that seems to be a beautiful reflection of, of humanity and this collective discomfort that we have been in and, and are deepening into right now. You know, you mentioned mm -hmm. I am the word, then mm -hmm. all of the books that have brought us to this moment because Resurrection, your most recent, at least published book that came out in September 22, mm -hmm. That seems to be a continuation from the very beginning, oh, yeah. right? All, they all are. It's like the DNA, I think, is in the first book and how they unpack it and how they support us in a deeper comprehension and experience. And experience, I think, is the important word of this work is, is ongoing and does build. So, you know, the guides say they teach in a one-room schoolhouse and people can enter into the work at any time. They'll work with them, you know, where they show up. But yeah, I think um, the message of, of rearticulation or manifestation as they call it the monad or the true self, what that means to be operating at that level has been implicit in all of the books and it's just flowering now. It is really incredible. Um, you talk about the experience and the transmission and then the upper room, which is mm -hmm. 
you know, a euphemistic term for, I think, as you call it, Christ consciousness, the monad, uh, an alignment mm-hmm. with our true self. Let's yeah. let's go there for a moment, and then let's talk about how we get there and resurrect our own selves so that uh-huh. we can work with others. All right. Well, the guides say we're if we experience ourselves or live in a collective octave of sound and vibration, and this is the common field is the one we've known ourselves in. And they've said, you know, any song can be sung in any octave into infinity, you know, if you really think about it. And the upper room, they say, is the octave above the one that we've known ourselves through. It coexists with us, but it's where the true self or the Christed self or the monad or whatever you want to call it expresses. It's already there. And the work is bringing us to that level of vibration. Um, so the idea of lifting to the upper room and, you know, is, is a big one and how that's done. Well, how it's done is through attunement, but also you have to sort of move into vibrational accord with what expresses at the upper level. Um, mm-hmm. And they say it's already there. It's not like you're trying to discover it or find it or, you know, take a, a pickaxe to it and haul yourself up the mountain, you know, bump with your own weight. It doesn't work that way. So there's a part of you and a part of me and everybody who knows, who already knows. And that's the part that is carrying us, I think, or lifting us to that level of vibration and tone. So when they work with vibrational attunements, and some of them are, you know, I know who I am in truth, which is the divine self expressing as identity. I know what I am in truth, which is the manifestation of the divine as form. And I know how I serve in truth, which is, they say, how the true self or divine self expresses as and through each of us. It's not a special calling. It's just your true expression. Um, That aspect of us expresses in the higher accord. And then there's the claim, I am free, I am free, I am free. And that's the claim of, according to them, agreement to move beyond the collective field of limitation of what's been prescribed. They say that the reality that we've known ourselves through is entrenched in fear. That's what we've known. It's just party to everything. It's like it's in the water. We don't even notice it. It's just how we remember things, how we make our choices. And when they say you, when you go to the upper room, fear doesn't express there. It's just not even there. You want some fear, you can go back downstairs and have it. But at that level of alignment, things are altered, things change, and choices change because we're not choosing through the old, through the old Mm. template. Mm. So once you've claimed, I am free, I am free, I am free, the claim is really simple. I am in the upper room, and the aspect of you that is already there makes the shift. When the guides do this in workshops, I mean, you can do it yourself. You don't need to be with me or, you know, in a public place. But it's nice when you do it in a workshop with a bunch of people. You get a few hundred people and you just, you, everybody feels the shift and the expansion and then and the lifting that comes with it. And once you're in the upper room, things get easier, you know, I think, and harder in some ways because, you know, none of this is like a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's really, you're going to have to look at your stuff. So everything that's basically binding us to the lower field gets looked at, gets addressed as part of this. But there's a way to work with that so one can begin to maintain alignment in the higher way. 
It's so beautiful. Thank you for that. Right now I'm getting quite moved because I'm remembering hearing you on so many of the podcasts that I listen to and everything that you have online. And I'm remembering the transmissions. I've probably listened to Resurrection at least a half a dozen times. I mean, it's just when they sang their song through you, yeah. you know, and I, I mean, it wasn't quite the way that, you know, the mm. known past, I would have interpreted a song, but yeah. when you vocalize that and allowed your body to express that, I mean, I was driving in the car in Los Angeles, California. And I mean, I just, there was an infinite expansion that I experienced. Yeah. And it was this resonance with behold, I make all things new. Mm -hmm. What I got so present to was that it truly is a level of consciousness. We can choose it anytime we get conscious to it. But you also talk a lot about how it isn't easy because it's kind of like cleaning your house, right? When you go to shake the rug, you see a lot of shit that's been on the rug for maybe decades and it's not comfortable. It's dirty. It's messy. And that's what humanity is going through right now. So I'd love to just talk about that so that we can give ourselves a little bit more grace as we're navigating this attunement to what we truly desire and in in our true nature i believe mm-hmm. well you know back in 2010 in the first book not 2009 they said humanity is at a time of reckoning and a reckoning is a facing of oneself and all of one's creations and that everything that's been created in fear is going to need to be readdressed or reseen or renown in a higher way. And the process I get that we're engaging in is somewhat that, you know, we're being carried in some ways to a new level of of awareness, but we don't get to do that unless we see how horrible we've been behaving towards ourselves and everyone else, you know, and I think that that's part of what we're dealing with now. The guides say some really simple things. You say, you know, you cannot be the light and hold another in darkness. It's hypocrisy, you know, and, um, you know, the idea that what you damn or what you put in darkness damns you back or calls you to that darkness is is a very simple teaching of Mm co-resonance. And they also say what you bless and they say a blessing isn't, you know, prayers and best wishes. It's not like that. It's to bless something, they say, is to realize the presence of the inherent divine where it has been lacking, where it has been denied. And so they're giving us tools to work with this, to carry us through this. But basically, it's a big wave of change. And you can ride the wave of change. And they say, be carried to a higher shore. You can desperately try to hang on to the old. And it's Mm going to be harder. You know, Um, my understanding is it's harder. I don't know that this is a bad thing that we're undergoing. I think it's deeply challenging to the parts of ourselves that are knowing ourselves entirely through history. The guides say the personality self or personality structure knows itself only through history. Mm. You know, who we were taught to be, what we think we are, the gender, you know, the, the decade that we were born into, all of these things, you know, the common field that tells us this is who you should be, this is what a man or a woman is, all those ideas. But they say the divine self knows itself, the true self knows itself in the ever-present now. And there's a lot more available once we stop replicating history. And I think that's where we're going. I hope so. They say, and they've said it many times now, that humanity as a whole has decided collectively that we're going to make it. We're going to move forward. Because truthfully, I hear that if we continue on the path that we've been on, we might not. You know, we've created the means for mass destruction. 
you know, and the, the guides have said you build bombs in the belief that they're going to keep you keep you safe, but they never do and they never will. Finally, they go off. And I don't hear that that's what we're looking forward to. And I'm very pleased about that. You know, I have to say, I, when I heard you say that, because I've heard every witch host ask you like, oh, what's going to happen? What do the guides say, yeah. you know? And I mean, it's just, we want to hang on to every word, right? Instead of knowing within ourselves that we can just be here now. And that's all we actually have. And we can create that reality as we attune to that, which we desire. Anyway, but when I saw your post, I think a couple of days ago, that you've got all these travel plans for your tours and your workshops and all this happening in 23, I was like, yes, because if you're making all these plans, then it gives me a little bit more hope because there's a lot of fear running humanity right now. And there's a there's a question I want to ask you because I don't know if I've heard anyone ask it, which is they say that like humanity must awaken by like a percentage in order for all of these shifts to really happen or an exit from the matrix, so to speak. What are you hearing? I don't get that. That's the hundredth monkey thing. I don't really get that. I, but I do hear that for everyone who awakens, they awaken a thousand more by presence and being. See, this is all about co-resonance. You know what I mean? So they say their teachings in manifestation or about becoming a portal or becoming a doorway or becoming a vortex you can use any of those words i guess they're all sort of mean the same thing to the higher and it's not that it means you have to run around and open up yoga studios or you have to do something quote unquote spiritual it's about how you are in the world mm -hmm. and the level of, of vibration that you hold the claim, and you, you used it earlier, the claim that they teach, behold, I make all things new, is invoked by the true self. They say God sees God in all of its creations. And so when you're operating that way, you're actually altering and lifting the world by nature, presence, and being. So I don't hear anything about numbers and percentages. And I mean, it's, I'm not saying it's not true. It's just not how they teach it. But I do understand that the awakening that's happening is individual. I don't think it's prescribed. I don't think it's religious. I don't think it's one group of people who know more than other people. I think that's a lot of egoic crap when people want to foist it, you know? It's everybody or nobody, you know? It's not about being special. It's about realizing our humanity and our divinity while we're in form, you know? Mm. And you can't do that if you're denying it in others. It just doesn't work you know, and we want to because it's more convenient. Well, it's comfortable. And as I, I love what you, mm -hmm. you talk about in resurrection, you know, it's our known past and, yeah. and we're being asked or invited to um, be present to is that it's behold, I make all things new, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like being in that co-resonance with the upper room, with that state of consciousness that we really can't describe because we really, I mean, how do we really know what it means to embody that? Um, you don't what are some until you do it. You don't until you don't until you're there. And I'm not saying that I'm embodied. And I, when somebody, when people walk around and announce themselves as having ascended, I, I tend to be a little nervous about that because my experience is that people that really are probably aren't talking about it. They're just there, you know? But I do understand at a certain level that how I only know for myself how I exist in the world and how I express in the world is radically different than it used to be. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And the life that I'm being gifted with is very different than I even would have necessarily chosen for myself before. Mm. And there is a sense of aligning to what is that expresses already at the higher level. And then when the crap floats up to the surface, you know, it's there for you to look at and deal with because it's your crap, you know, so <clears throat> for me, it's experiential. I don't think it's about floating around and or being pious or behaving well. I do think it's about not operating necessarily in condemnation of self or others. I do think it has to do with operating with a, an awareness, and I'm not all that far along with this, but an awareness of the inherent divinity that is in everything. You know, when the guide said, you know, um, I know what I am in truth, they were talking about the body. And they say, we come from these paradigms where spirit or, you know, God or whatever you want to call it is this thing up on a cloud and we're stuck here in the mud. And they said, you know, God is the mud too. Unless you realize that you're going to be bifurcating, you're going to be operating in a schism. And so when they teach this awareness, they say the only real problem that humanity faces, they call it the denial of the divine. Mm. that's already there you can't make anything holy but you can deny it and we deny it and we deny it all up down and sideways i do it still but i know now that when i do that i'm paying a price for it i lower my whole awareness and i start to call crap to me at that level and then i complain which mm. lowers it some more so you know i mean i'm learning we're all learning yeah, but being yeah. there is the key being there, thank you. And and also, you know, this whole denial of the divine is so beautifully rich for us to consider mm -hmm. once and yeah. for all. You know, um, that I want to know who I am in truth. I want to know uh, what I am in truth and how I serve in truth. This changed my life um, because especially being out here in the West, we're so conditioned to think that how we serve has something to do with our work, our yeah. livelihood our finances, right? No. And you really opened me up to a profound awareness around, it's who I be. It's yeah. who I be in the privacy of my own heart, using the words of Ram Dass, um, uh -huh. also a profound teacher for me, and, and how I then generously share that or show up and experience myself with others in life. But I really wanted to circle back to that because that's a game changer if we're just willing to get present to who we be Mm -hmm. As opposed to, let me just give you the, the quick juxtaposition. I'm a self-help junkie. Many of my listeners are. Um, and this has really dramatically shifted the past 18 months for me because I'm like, wait a second. We have been conditioned and programmed to think that we have to have this purpose, uh, this purpose. And now the purpose is to ascend, right? It's like, it's endless. Yeah. And, and what I hear from the guides is our purpose is how we be and remembering mm -hmm. who we are and sharing mm -hmm. that with others. But I'd love to open that up a little bit more because that is the key to the kingdom, my friends. Yeah. Well, it was a big one. You know, I was I lived in New York almost my whole life, you know, and when the guides brought through that attunement, I know who I am. I know what I am. I know how I serve. We all sort of understood. I know who I am. We all got I know what I am wrong because we still thought it was what we did, how we showed up, how what we did for a living. You know, I'm a social worker. I'm a teacher. I'm, a, you know, whatever it happened to be. And, you know, 
how, how we serve, the guides say, is how we're most fully expressed as who we truly are. And who we truly are is an aspect of the divine. It's an iteration of it. It's not about deifying or, or claiming the personality structure as the true self. The personality structures of God, everything has to be. But, you know, the problem is it thinks it is. You know, the personality thinks it's running the show and all of those things. And when we start to access the deeper part of us that knows, that is unafraid, the guides say, you know, the true self is never afraid. It doesn't know fear. It's just not party to it. You know, the true self doesn't judge, doesn't damn. The true self knows who it is in consort with all things. And when we start to access that part of us, the other parts that are you know, I suppose diluting that or obscuring that vision come forward. And then the guides have given, you know, us tools to address it, but service, you know, I learned a little of this early on, you know, when I was in my twenties and very poor and I was, you know, a year out of graduate school at Yale, but I was like destitute and totally, totally confused about everything. Suddenly I was living in a world where maybe there was such a thing as God and that, changed everything for me. I was like moving to another planet. Mm -hmm. But I started teaching, um, not because I wanted to, but because somebody offered me a teaching job and I needed it and I loved it, which was amazing. But very early on, I remember going to, I had a job that had me setting up educational programs in the public school system in New York. And I'd have to go out like to the old South Bronx when it was really like a bombed out area. And the people working in those schools were they just knocked the socks out of me they were so present they were so aware they were loving the kids they knew what to do you know and they weren't these other people that i was meeting back in new york who were saying well i you know brought a new crystal today and i smiled at the cashier and that was my service a whole other thing and then i kind of thought you know it doesn't have to be either of them it's how you be how mm. you show up in the world and I think we're accountable to our choices and our actions. And I think if I want to be in a crappy mood and treat everybody accordingly, I can do that. But I'm accountable to that. And again, there's, there's a price paid. There's a teaching in the newest book. They're really resting in this claim, God is, God is, God is, which is really a claim of truth. They say it refutes the denial of the divine. Because it's where we say source can't be is where we claim the darkness. And when we claim the darkness, we empower it. When we bring the light to that darkness, the darkness can shift. We're not spiritual bypassing or pretending it isn't horrible or painful that certain things happen. And in fact, if you're in your knowing, which is the true self, the God say the true self knows, the small self thinks, if you're in your knowing and you are called to act in service, you do. You don't question it because you know, you know, like if I'm in a situation and the guide say, if you're walking down the street and there are people fighting and you're in a position to break it up, break it up. You know, I mean, if that's if that's what you're called to do in the moment, it's not necessarily about passivity or lack of action, but it is about knowing what your intent is. You know, self-righteousness, the guides say, is always the personality self. And if I want to get on my high horse about something and tell everybody else what they should believe, I'm operating at a low level, you know. So I'm learning this stuff still. 
And I, I heard you on the Mark Groves podcast. It was my favorite interview, by the way, that I've heard uh -huh. of you so far. It just, it broke everything down in uh -huh. a way that I got it. So I wanted to thank right. you and Mark for that. Um, but he said something that you had said in, I think, the Book of Mastery, uh, your body can only alchemize the lowest level of truth you're willing to hold. Hmm. And I thought that was so profound. And I wanted to open that up a little bit with you and then talk about yeah. how that even connected to you quitting four packs of cigarettes a day, me quitting drinking cigarettes myself, and just so many beautiful uncoverings. Well, I mean, it's ongoing. You know, I, I mean, basically my whole nature seems to be somewhat addictive and I just don't act on it the way that I used Same. to, which is a good, good, good thing. Um, so the idea that we can only hold so much, I think, is an important one. And people sometimes, and I did when I was young, I wanted to, I wanted it all now. I mean, if there was some spirit, God, whatever it was, I wanted it because it made everything else pale in comparison. And I was given enough of an, of an awareness of that to know that it was real. I and mean, then I didn't know what the hell to do, nor did I know who the hell I was anymore because it screwed everything up. So the idea that we can only, we can only move into a chord, which is vibrational agreement with what we can manage is important. Yes. You know, it's not like I want to be, you know, sometimes people are like, you know, I want a channel and, you know, he can channel, I want a channel. And then suddenly it's like you've got, because when I started, I used to feel like I had a tin can to my ear on a string and somebody else might talk into it. And fortunately, the guides that I work with figured out how to work with me and they did emerge early in the game. But, you know, I can't imagine now walking around with a tin can. It's like walking through, you know, a subway station saying, somebody want to talk to me, I'll listen to you. And because the person doesn't have a body, you think it must be true. And I think people need to be prudent and aware, you know, of how they're accessing and what they're accessing and be able to, to check it out. And that comes back to true knowing. Mm. So I've developed over the years, when I first started hearing, I was hearing phrases and there was energy coming through the guides didn't start lecturing through me till i was 48 i started opening up to channel in my early 30s so 48 all of a sudden they were just talking 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 I mean, what the, i just knew they were talking more i wasn't recording anything in those days i was just still in it because i wanted to feel the energy and the attunements mm -hmm. and um and it, we continue to progress and i think we all continue to to move at the level that we can hold it and I think some of us show up really ready and aware and, you know, evolved. And, you know, I showed up. <laughs> I know how I showed up. It wasn't very pretty. And I'm a slow learner, you know, but I'm, I show up. And I, the one thing I give myself credit for is I've showed up for this stuff for years and often when I didn't want to. And I did this work and I had to say this to somebody recently who was like, why don't I have my platform, you know, for this, my, my important work in the world? And I said, you know, I did a group in my apartment for 18 years. I had a little basket. People put 10 bucks in. I think I went up to 20 bucks at the end of the 18 years. Sometimes there were three people. Sometimes there were 15. It wasn't until the books that people began to, you know, support showing up, might being able to travel and do things with them. But I often say this, if nobody was wanted to show up at three people, I'd still be doing it. This is part of my work, you know, 
And I've had to do this work when people were saying, when I, when I first started, you know, I was heckle. I mean, I remember doing a free event at a church once. There were people heckling in the first row. And I'm thinking, why am I doing this? You know, what's, mm -hmm. what's the point? And I know it looks ridiculous when I channel. And I'm like, you know, I, but it's, <laughs> it comes through. I can't fix it. You know, it's not about it's not about it being palpable in a way that is necessarily commercially viable or, you know, appreciated for its aesthetic beauty. It's it's like watching somebody, I don't know what, whisper and repeat like I'm like a wild man for 40 minutes until the lecture is done. And I live with it and I'm comfortable and I'm grateful for it, too. So I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, I certainly um, don't know if I know for sure what you're talking about, but um, I, I have definitely heard you channeling. You've got so many YouTube videos from back in the original days where, yeah. yes, um, it's fascinating to watch, but then you get used to it and it becomes deeply yeah. comfortable, you know, yeah. and, and it's like a hug. It's it's like you're being held in the divine and yeah. something that you don't really have reference for. I wanted yeah. to circle back to this whole um, being in co-resonance with, with what we say we want, but maybe there is a gap. And uh, so we were talking about, right, we can only alchemize to the lowest level of truth that we're willing to hold. How do we increase our capacity to hold more? Well, I think we first have to know that things are possible. Nothing can be claimed until it's first a possibility. We're not going to do it. The guides have said we're always ordering off of the menu of what we expect to receive. So okay. it's, an, it's an easy one to think about, but you go to the, the sushi house and you don't order the spaghetti, you know, it's like, huh, well, you know, but mm. we have to realize that these things exist and that they can be had or received. But part of the challenge is, is that most of what we're demanding is what we think we're supposed to have. Mm -hmm. Like, I want a really hot boyfriend and I want a better this and a better that. And it's not that there's anything wrong with things. But why do we want them? The guides used to say there is nothing wrong with the house on the hill. Somebody gets to live there. But why do you want it? Because if you want it so that you can be the envy of your neighbors, you're creating in fear. You know, you're operating from from that level of, of personality and those things don't last. So, you know, when they talk about the upper room and manifestation, they really do talk about moving to a level of alignment where you become receptive to the good that is already present and you're not demanding it and saying, where the hell is it already? I mean, I have areas of my life where I'm still saying, where the hell is it, you know, but few, 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 mostly I'm just grateful a lot of the time. But I have moved into this interesting place where I'm discovering that kind of what I require shows up, you know. I mean, it's funny. I live in the, the rainforest and, um, you know, I, one day it was like, I need to walk. And there was a neighbor who said, hi, do you ever want to walk sometime? And I'm shy. So I said, sure. And then didn't give my number out. But I thought, <laughs> you know, I really should walk with somebody. I'll do it. And now I, so I have a walking buddy, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like I didn't ask for it, but I knew I needed it. But it showed up as needed at the right time. I mean, so that's a little goofy example, but the examples are extraordinary now where I just go, wow, that's really happening. And I wasn't pushing forward or trying to make it happen or worrying that it wouldn't happen. It's, and, you know, they say, you know, we're so busy 
trying to seek to seek or find God or, you know, that we don't realize that we're already known and that our needs may be known. We don't have to, you know, have a temper tantrum every day in order to get them. So anyway. Exactly. Like a two-year-old demanding something that uh, they think they should have. And that's so many of us in the world, and especially with so much more separation and division and polarization happening right now in the the, the finger pointing, um, what you described in response to my question of how do we increase our capacity to be with more um, is to be grateful for more, right? To be grateful yeah. for all the nuances. <clears throat> Pardon resurrection. And I, I'm probably paraphrasing a bit, but it, it was something around some people are stumbling to find the right keys to the kingdom. I will find my way once I have that right key. Yeah. And then you say, but the key is the true self in expression. Yeah. And a profound humility to the manifestation in the divine that is encountered in all things. Mm -hmm. The monad lifts lifts to the level of alignment. So once again, we're back to what are we conscious to? What are we learning to embody and expand from? So that this is how we show up and who we be every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The guides say in the very first book, they said, they, they talked about the Christ and they defined it. And they said the Christ is the aspect of the creator that seeks realization as and through us. It's the peace of the divine. They call it the monad. They call it the universal or true self, eternal self. Monad is what they use now. And the idea that this part of us is already there, but seeks its awakening through us is key you know, mm -hmm. and that I think is what happens in this work. I think that's what they're supporting us in. And there are other ways that happens, certainly. There are many ways and there are many different, I'm, I'm sure, paths to, to this. Um, and the guides are working in a language they work with in a culture and time that I guess that they feel can hear this in this way. But yeah, I, you know, I had an experience when I was maybe in my early 30s um, in a class with this old teacher I used to study with. She's no longer with us. And she said, ask for one thing, write it down carefully. You're going to get it because there's a prayer I'm going to give you and you're going to get it and be really careful what you ask for. And I'm like, oh, and, <laughs> you know, I wish I'd asked for like a partner or, a, you know, in retrospect, a great, I don't know anything, but I was like, uh-uh. I knew enough at that point that there was something which I could call God or whatever I felt like calling it that day. And I knew that if that was so, I wanted to go all the way with that. And in some ways, that was my prayer. I want to go all the way with this. Mm. And when I go back, I actually wonder now if the books weren't the answer because they're a way for people. Uh. You know, yeah. I think I got the prayer. I just didn't realize what they what what it meant. But mm. that's really what the books are. If you want to go all the way, here's a way to do it. Not everybody does. Not everybody must. You know, people mm. have people come here to learn different things. I think eventually we all get there, but in whatever way is right, because I think we're all called back to our our true essence in time. I don't think you have to die to do that. You know, I think maybe you 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 die to an idea of who you were in form but you're still walking around you know yes beautifully said a death to the known past and, and then a complete yeah. rebirth 
truth of who we really are uh -huh. uh, in the divine realm. You know, I'm remiss that I didn't ask earlier if if you could just explain maybe who the guides are. I've heard you say it a million different ways, um, but what are you saying in today's time? Well, I mean, the name that they come through with when they come through with a name, they say, if you wish to call us something, you may call us Melchizedek, which is an old name. And I've heard that for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. um, my favorite way they define themselves is they say, we are who you become when you know who you truly are. That's what I like. Um, but they're teachers, you know, and they're good. You know, I have to say, you know, sometimes I have to say, you know, I don't care how articulate I might be. I'm just not capable of closing my eyes and dictating 11 books that don't require any editing. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy, but they come prepared and they come to teach and I just get to show up and take the dictation. I'm in a good position, but my job for them at least is stenography, you know, spoken stenography. When I'm reading psychically, I'm accessing different parts of myself and I'm more involved because I have to interpret. Um, but when you're channeling, there's no interpretation. It's just, this is what they're saying as it's, as it said, nothing more. Yeah. And it's so, so cool when you listen to the books, cause I listen to them on, on audio. Um, mm. you know, the guys will literally say, Paul interrupts. We wish he wouldn't interrupt, you yeah. know? And it's just like, this is just so real, but you know, the experience I've shared the books. I don't even, I have hundreds of people in my community and different programs, um, and, uh, and all of them have reported back saying something very similar. I feel something, I feel lifted, yeah. I feel uh, transformed. I, it, or some just be like, there's like a vibrational frequency um, mm -hmm. that feels familiar. This is yeah. the kind of feedback that I get. So it is a transmission. It is an experience that's helping us to increase our capacity to be with who we really are. I agree. Mm. I hope so. Yeah. And thank you for sharing the work. Oh, gosh, my pleasure. A um, couple more things before we we wrap. You know, there's a lot of, uh, I think, urgency and panic in the collective right now. Um, and depending on where people put their attention, which is the fear, right, the unknown, the uncertainty, um, what the guides continue to suggest is a reconciliation, a reclamation, um, and, and a coming home, really, to the upper wow. room. Um, yeah. We talk about how humanity has chosen and everything mm -hmm. is going to be okay. And I mean, it is right now. So that's all we've got anyway. But have you, have you heard a time frame just for egoic purposes only? The only thing that I've heard is, I think they said four generations until things are sort of established in a different way. That there's mm -hmm. going to, that there's some time I and mean, people don't like to hear that because they want it done last week, you know, or. And I don't know what that means. I just think it, it makes sense. Somebody, I didn't know this. Somebody told, I was in a car with somebody, a couple of people, and they said, they were bemoaning the future. And I said, what do your guides say? And I said, well, they say it's going to be four generations. And they both said, you know, what's really interesting is that when Moses led the Jews out of, you know, slavery, he said it was with four generations in the desert for them to forget that they had been that. And I went, wow, 40 years. And I went, well, that's really interesting because maybe that's what it's about. It's about another level of consciousness coming into place that is not attached to what has been. When the guides are teaching now in the book that comes out next year, they're talking a lot about history and memory and how those things need to be reclaimed in a higher way because all of our memory that we have personally and collectively seems to be 
forged through a lens of fear or a belief in separation because mm -hmm. we've not known unity consciousness you know so they're working with that which is really an interesting idea because once that gets fixed then we're going to stop working with a faulty lens it doesn't mean the past didn't happen it means who's seeing it is yes. interpreting it from a higher vantage point than how we were taught to see it or experience it yeah it's really beautiful when you say it that way and it seems impossible but that would only be from the known past or a known identity yeah. that's not the truth of who we are yeah. um and gives me great comfort and hope. Um, I'm wondering if there's a message that you would like to share that the guides could have uh, or have coming through. Um, and I'm going to leave that open-ended. It could be for me. It could be for the great love of my life um, that's facing some really scary news right now. Um, but mm. I'm only willing because I've poured myself into your books and I've opened mm. myself to receive this profound love. Um, or my listeners, I'll leave it wide open, whatever needs to come through if you're willing. Well, you know, I'll tune in. I, I you know, I'm on my first cup of coffee today. So it's, it's, we have a time change here in, on Maui. Let me just see if I get anything. They're saying the young lady wants to know if everything is going to be all right. It will, be all right. It will not only be all right, it will be, new. it will be new. The idea of the new is challenging. The idea of the new is challenging and challenging and always and challenging in all ways because it's unprescribed, because it is unprescribed, undocumented, undocumented and unclaimed and unclaimed by the personality, by the personality who understands itself, who understands itself through historical data, through historical data. Ask the young lady if she's willing. Ask the young lady if she is willing to be remembered, to be remembered as who she has always been, as who she has always been beyond the dilemma of the moment, beyond the dilemma of the moment. She will see her partner. She will see her partner as he truly is, as he truly is, and serve the world that way as well, and serve the world that way as well. When you understand who you truly are, when you understand who you truly are, you understand who others are as well. You understand who others are as well. You understand the needs. You understand their needs, their ambitions, their ambitions, but you see them beyond their needs and ambitions, but you see them beyond their needs and ambitions you see them as the true self you see them as the true self the explicit expression the explicit expression of the monad of the monad embodying embodying and seeking recognition and seeking recognition recognition for its truth for its truth and all things in all things we thank you for your work we thank you for your work and your diligence you're just saying and your diligence with the teachings period and you're saying period mm, thank you so much paul thank you guys that was beautiful that is it. That is it. I mean, I literally feel lifted from that. Thank you very much. Um, where is the best place for my listeners to find you and attend a virtual workshop in person, learn more with you? Uh, PaulSelig.com backslash events has everything that's up. Travel, awesome. live streams, it's all there. Yeah, it's so great. And your website is beautiful. And I'll be seeing you in Boone in August of oh, 23. And, um, and I will leave uh, the links in the show notes. I can't thank you enough uh, for answering the call, being as devotional as you've been. Um, and have a beautiful rest of your year, my friend. Thanks, you too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Fire and Soul. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. And if you'd like to connect on social, you can find me anywhere at Michelle Sorrow. Or if you'd like to reach out to me directly, you can at fireandsoulpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.